This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. Well, every company strives for the highest level of customer loyalty. It ends up being one of the great points of business that, in many cases, determines the level of success they'll have. But did you know that apparently Mercedes-Benz, one of the best car manufacturers ever, once had customer service issues? New York Times bestselling author Joseph Michelli looks at the changes that were made in his new book, Driven to Delight, delivering world-class customer experience the Mercedes-Benz way. And Joseph joins us on the show right now. Joseph, great to have you on. Good to be on, Dan. There's somebody out there waving their hand going, I know, I know, I was in the service lane one time well, at a Mercedes. It was you, awful. So. You know, it's funny because because you have this perception of Mercedes-Benz, and obviously because of the type of car it is and, and the stories you've heard uh, over the years uh, about the, the, you know, the quality uh, of the car, that you wouldn't assume that this would be an issue. So first explain how this all kind of came about for Mercedes-Benz. Well, you know, our, our greatest strength is our greatest weakness, and their greatest strength was innovation and engineering, and their product is amazing, and sometimes you fall in love with your product, and it becomes more challenging to shift a culture to assure that you're in step with the times, because today, product just isn't enough. So what was the approach prior to this uh, for, for Mercedes-Benz? I mean, they they obviously relied on their technology being... Uh, the point of emphasis, and I guess they just assumed that because that that technology was so good, that people would keep coming back no matter what. You know, I think that's the core of the challenge that they faced. Now, certainly there were dealerships that were phenomenal. I, you know, yeah. I don't want to cast this in a broad brush, but if you look at the brand and what it focused on, it was the product. And there was a time in history we had customers you know, we interviewed who were saying things like, you know, literally, I should feel grateful that I got this car. That was yeah. the perception that they had in the way they were treated, both at time of sale, but more importantly, in the service service drive after they purchased the vehicle. Did for some reason Mercedes Benz think that you know people that were spending a hundred thousand dollars on a car did that you know that the that the customer service element wasn't as important and I guess it's it's a hard thing to kind of maybe wrap your head around because the corporation is at one level and the dealerships are all at a much different level. That's absolutely true. But imagine the, contrasting this: if you had a hundred thousand dollars you were waving above your head and you walked into Nordstrom. How would they treat you, right? I mean, it's going to be a different Fall level forward. of attentiveness and engagement than what people were receiving when they walked in, ostensibly able and ready to buy a vehicle at that price point. Yeah, Nordstrom's would be, you know, you'd have every salesperson in the world falling over themselves trying to get to that person. They'd be at your house and personally uh, shopping and helping you with your wardrobe. Yeah. Mercedes is unique that that in, in what we've seen in the auto industry the last, you know, a uh, couple of years— they really haven't had any large mechanical issues that they've had to deal with, correct? 
I'm sure they're knocking on wood somewhere yeah. uh, in, in the world today. Yeah, relatively speaking, I think that's true. You know, they came out of the Chrysler merger with some morale issues and some quality issues, and that's a long time ago. They had to get their staff reengaged at the corporate level after all of that and, and re-motivated, so they focused a lot on employee engagement on the corporate level, and they got on Fortune's list of best places to work perennially. Um, beyond that, though, in terms of the dealership level, they had to kind of re-engage people around the brand there, particularly around the wisdom of changing the conversation so that they weren't only talked about for their engineering or their marketing, but they are talked about for the incredible experiences that you'll have now but a lot, in the context of those dealerships. A lot of this, though, I mean, this was this was a philosophical change that came right from the top. Steve Cannon, uh, the, the president and CEO of Mercedes-Benz USA, was the guy that really started to drive this change, correct? Absolutely. And it really was visionary. And they sat down and they had meetings and discussed what was our opportunity. And this is it. Think about Lexus really as a brand that came about that was created from the best of the best Toyota dealers. They had a customer manifesto when they came onto the scene. You know, many generations of Mercedes dealers have have been putting cars on the marketplace here in the United States. And here comes Lexus with a fresh approach to customer orientation. Their buildings look the same. There were a lot of requirements on those dealers. So Steve was really, I think, bringing the brand up to speed there and then saying it's not good enough just to out Lexus Lexus in terms of the customer experience. We really need to be the best or nothing as per our brand, brand well, promise when it comes well, to customer experience. You bring up uh, Lexus and what Mercedes-Benz is dealing with now is obviously quite a bit different than what they were dealing with 40 years ago in terms of the competition they had here in the U.S. market. There wasn't as many high-end options for consumers to buy here in the United States. So in some respects, their competition has also forced this a little bit. And I think it's the common theme for most people right now. You know, there's a Forrester study that says 92% of all corporate leaders are trying to differentiate on the basis of the customer experience they create. They're trying to improve the customer experience. And yet the American Customer Satisfaction Index has us at a near nine-year low yeah. for customer satisfaction. It's not your products. It is a proliferation of competitors who have access to comparable enough products that the differentiation comes in execution of your customer experience. We are joined on the phone by Joseph Michelli. He is the author of the new book, Driven to Delight, Delivering World-Class Customer Experience, the Mercedes-Benz way. In terms of the book and, and bringing forth the, all of what Mercedes-Benz has brought forward, uh, you're also trying to really kind of open the door a little bit for other corporations to think about their customer uh, experience as well, correct? Yeah, you know, I've been blessed to be a consultant in this space. In fact, I came to Mercedes-Benz to help them benchmark against the Ritz-Carlton and against Zappos, some brands that I've written about in the past and, and worked with. So, you know, for me, it is all about helping every single person out there improve the quality of the experiences they provide to consumers because we all rise with better experiences where we have less stress, where we have to not work so hard to get our needs met, and where we yeah. have an integration of technology and then people who really care about us when we come into their businesses. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866, especially if you are a Mercedes owner out there and maybe you saw the, this shift go on uh, at Mercedes dealerships across the United States. You're welcome to uh, add your comments at 844-942-7866. So with, with what was going on at, at some of these dealerships, what was really the, the, 
the business effect that was happening? Were they not seeing repeat customers? Were they not seeing as, as high level of sales for a period? What was the real effect? I think it, mostly in the service drive, you know, the sales are going to, people are going to want the automobile for all of the qualities that it has. Yeah. The question is, do you get it serviced? Uh, at a Mercedes-Benz dealership, or do you go outside of the dealership family to get your vehicle serviced? And, and I think they were having enough churn and attrition there. And really, the value, you know, the lifetime value of a customer is linked to their willingness to maintain a service relationship, yeah. which then increases the probability that they'll want to buy that car again and maybe not lured into another competitor who can make a compelling case that they're close enough that you should explore them. But part of this also, and you alluded to it a second ago, was the realization that the the level of customer service and customer experience that they have you do, you don't want to just go against the other automakers in the industry as you said you want to go up against well-known brands the you know you mentioned the Ritz Carlton as being one of them there are many others out there as well and I would tell you that Tesla's creation of their experience, for example, in their more retail type of sales environment, yeah. is more in keeping with an Apple, for example, than it is the traditional car dealership experience. And I'm not saying that Tesla is a, a true competitor of Mercedes-Benz. Just volume alone yeah. would say that that's not a fair comparison. But what it does speak to is the disruptive force that exists in the way things are done. And the fact that people are buying more and more of their vehicles really online, they're just going into the dealership to sign the deal and to test drive it. But most of those decisions are happening much earlier in the funnel now, thanks to technology. All of that has had to change the way you think about the experience. And really, you know, I don't need to go to a cashier at Apple in order to check out. I can do that right there, or I can do it in advance. Or There are many technology advantages. And unfortunately, in the service drive at Mercedes-Benz for a long time, you still had to go from your service advisor over to the cashier to pay. Uh, but that's all changing with an integration of technology and a, and a real rethinking of where is it that people can have efficiencies and where is it that yeah. they need people? Is there is there a a true bottom line? Is there data out there that Mercedes Benz has been able to gleam in terms of making these changes and the real bottom line effect it has on the service departments at their dealerships? Absolutely. There, I mean, both in terms of the repeat business and the willingness to stay with the, the, there's no doubt about it. And the profits are associated with that. I'll show you in one place where it's outside of the service lane, but it's really strikingly strange. But, you know, on average, and this is a, a, a statistic that I read produced by a third party provider, but if you use a tablet at the time of selling a car, normally you will get about $500 more for the sale of that car. <laughs> and the reason is there are features and benefits of a car that you can't appreciate unless somebody shows you them from a technological perspective, uh, maybe nighttime running lights or whatever it might be. And so you're able to, to show benefits through use of technology. So these are the ways in which people save money by investing money in the tablet one time. They can, you know, get that derivative benefit repeatedly. You, you've written about Starbucks as well in the past. Uh, are, there, are there similarities between how Starbucks has kind of had their successes with, with customer service to what now Mercedes-Benz is doing? Yeah, everywhere I go, I kind of keep preaching the same theme. So I think you need to know what you want customers to feel in your brand, and they can't feel everything. So you have to define that emotional outcome. So it's, at Starbucks, it's uplifting moments. They want you to have uplifting moments in your day, and everyone's trained yeah. to be an uplifting moment creator. At Mercedes-Benz now, they're trying to drive delight. And so delight is what they want you to leave, talking about, tweeting about, sharing with your friends. And that takes something more than mere satisfaction in both instances. It's interesting. I remember going through the book, and, and there's a comment in there from one gentleman that, that you 
put in the book about his experience in terms of going to the dealership and and actually sitting in the car. And he basically said, for lack of a better term, you know what? If I, I if I didn't want to buy the car, I never should have sat in the car in the first place. <laughs> and I find I find that really, you know, it, it's some dealerships, some automakers just have that type of relationship. You know, it, it may vary the type of car, but. When you get in that car, it's like, oh, yeah, this this kind of works for me. Absolutely. And, you know, in retail right now, we're in this busy retail season, and if you can just get customers to stay in your store longer in a retail space, they tend to spend more. So you're seeing more and more massage in retail stores and coffee and tea mm-hmm. and hot chocolate or whatever it might be just to try to get people to spend a little bit more time because then they get more sensory connections to the experience of your store. And the same is true with the car. Once you can sit in it, feel the leather, smell the new car smell, you're, you're uh, halfway there. But there's also something about the brand itself. And, and certainly when you're talking about the United States, you're talking about an unbelievable brand opportunity for so many companies uh, here. Uh, the Mercedes-Benz brand globally is, is right up there as maybe one of the top five uh, brands of all time, you know, you throw it up there. I use the the uh, the correlation to the Yankees. Uh, you know, that brand is is recognized pretty much around the globe, which is amazing for an American sports franchise. Uh, so the last thing that Mercedes Benz wanted to start have happening is that brand be tarnished by the experience that customers were having bringing their cars back in to get serviced. Yeah, and, you know, I've written about the Ritz-Carlton in the past, too, and I think there's a point where you can develop a certain arrogance around your brand that says we've created such brand equity because we have such quality product that we forget about the fact that we can't let that product down with the experience. And if anything, a great experience can even lift a product up. 844 Wharton is the number, 844-942-7866. Take us through some of the the really key ingredients that, that – Mercedes-Benz kind of realized in terms of uh, of making these changes, things that they really gleaned from what they needed to change and, and how that can kind of affect other businesses as well. Well, they live in an influence world. They don't control those private business owners called dealers, right? So they yeah. have to influence those dealers, and they have to get the dealers on board with this vision of customer experience. And to do that, they had to make sure it wasn't going to cost a lot more to deliver the experience. So they spent a lot of time looking for the offsets. And I think the quick offset that people can realize is that for the longest time, if you owned a Mercedes-Benz, you were guaranteed lifetime roadside assistance, whether or not you bought that car from a friend of a friend uh, or you bought it from a dealership, and whether or not you brought the car to Jiffy Lube, or you actually were getting it serviced in a, in a Mercedes-Benz authorized service dealer. So what started to happen in order to enhance the experience and enrich these experiences, you had to get money somewhere. And one of the most reasonable places to get money is to say, we have to change that roadside assistance policy so mm-hmm. that we are really serving those who are engaged with our brand. So as long as you're getting regular service or you bought your car from the dealership in certain conditions, then that roadside assistance was yours. But if you had long since abandoned the brand, you couldn't expect them to just be there for you on the side of the road at their expense. So what you see is some changing and offloading of cost structures. So there was money available. And then once money was available and you start to see the derivative benefit of engaging customers, then the profits start to align for those dealers as well. How much did changing the service element also affect the sales element we, you know the, i mean the two are right next to one another in pretty much every dealership you go to across the united states but they are realistically in many cases two totally different worlds 
Yeah, and I think you have to link them up because those are different worlds in the mind of the departments within a you know a dealership. But as far as I'm a customer, Mercedes-Benz is Mercedes-Benz, whether or yeah. not I'm buying the car or I'm getting it serviced there. So, you know, I've seen dealers who've really created incentives which say unless we do a warm handoff into the service department there is no in you know there is no uh you know you can't get paid as a as a salesperson until you've warmly hand off that sure. customer into the service department so there are strategies to make those linkages happen so that the customer journey is seamless uh, joseph michelli joins us uh the, his book uh, which is out now called driven to delight delivering world-class customer experience the mercedes-benz way your comments are welcome at 844 wharton 844-942-7866 how much of it also was just maybe the the emails and the notes that they got from the customers over the course of time that said you know we've got to make these changes Absolutely. I think that, you know, if you listen to your customers, they'll tell you whether or not your experience is resonating with them or not. And clearly there's going to be breakdowns, but great business organizations leverage those breakdowns, fix it for that customer, and find out what are the underlying processes if the common breakdown keeps happening over and over again, and then they fix, fix those processes as well. What, what did Steve Cannon really learn the most from this whole process, do you think? I think he's so good at sh- making hearts and minds follow the the vision that he has. I mean, he really he got people experiencing the brand in a rich way that they hadn't before. You know, there are a lot of these people in the dealerships, let's say maybe who's responsible for pay payroll at a dealership. They've never driven a Mercedes themselves. And so I think he was masterful at making sure there were vehicles available for those people to actually drive the car. He's enriched that with a brand immersion program that's far more exciting where you actually can now, if you're that person, you can go to see the cars getting produced in Alabama. You can be on a test track. You can drive off-road. And you can also learn about the history and safety innovations as well as learn about what it means to be driven to delight. And so I think he's just been masterful at creating culture. And I think he thinks culture is the most important thing you can create to sustain your success. But that also meant that it also, I would think, had to change the culture of not only what he perceived, but uh, the remainder of the board of Mercedes-Benz USA as well. Oh, they, you know, they are so aligned. It, it is a crazy aligned leadership team. And I think that's another lesson is that you really do need to sell close to home uh, before you start selling distantly. So you better make sure that the board of directors and the C-suite are all in, in agreement. And once you have that, then you need to just keep concentrically working it out throughout the organization if you want it to be felt by the customer. What is it that that, that a company like Mercedes-Benz sees going forward? Because the U.S. auto market is, I mean, it's, it's such a dynamic place. Um, uh, with the the power that the big three have, but the want by a lot of customers who who have the wealth, and even it, it it's shifting to the point where Mercedes Benz in the last few years has really tried to uh, attract the the what would be considered the middle class customer as well. So it's really been a dynamic shift, you know, in terms of of how they have to approach sales, service the whole the whole nine yards. Yeah, I, they've done a, a masterful job. I think the future is bright for the auto industry. I think there's some incredibly exciting innovation happening. Yeah. I think you're going to have your car connecting you to the dealership. Big data is going to allow a, a wonderful, customized experience for you. It's going to be a lot easier to get your needs met in the future. So the, all that's happening. I think we're moving away from VIN numbers to you know kind of a golden record where the customer is at the center, much like your Apple ID, which you know centers all of your products around you instead 
instead of you know linking you to an individual per product purchase. So the future is bright, and I think Mercedes has done a brilliant job with the CLA and other you know other segment uh, strategies where they're actually opening the brand up uh, at, to aspirational buyers at a younger level and really pipelining a future generation of lifelong Mercedes customers. Your, your comments are welcome at eight four four Wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Just a couple of minutes left with Joe uh, M- Joseph Michelli, who is the author of the book Driven to Delight, delivering world class customer experience the Mercedes Benz way. I, I, Talking about Mercedes-Benz, which is an uh, iconic German brand, I'd be crazy if I didn't bring up the, the other major German brand that's been going through an incredible, you know, uh, unbelievably bad couple of months right now. And in terms of that relationship, how how does how does Mercedes-Benz, even though that they are maybe a little bit of a different level, I don't want to say take advantage, but but in some respects it is take advantage of what has been a downfall of one of their cohorts within the German economy. Well, you know, I, I watch the leaders there, and I, I don't see them spending a lot of time focusing on that. Because I think, but for the grace go you, right? I mean, maybe not in, in the transparency issues or the deception issues that are present in that other brand. Yeah. But I think you always have a risk in, of being arrogant or smug or, you know, doing too much. Because business is a roller coaster, right? I mean, things happen. Um, and so you have to be, I think, humble and just keep focusing on your own product and your own aspirations to excellence. The people will follow you when they're churned and burned by other brands. But to be very aggressive or very smug at a time like this would probably end up shooting yourself in the foot someday. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.